0: How are you doing?
1: <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> good. Oh, we're all here. Uh, yes.
0: Is anybody listening? Hello and welcome to the Collier Democratic Roundup, the official podcast of the Collier County Democratic Party. My name is Jeff Spencer and I am the vice chair of the Collier County Democratic Party and the host of this podcast. Thank you guys for clicking on. Here's a quick update on things going on in the party. So the local party is an all-volunteer outfit and all of the money we raise is done locally. Uh, we get zero funds from the state or national parties, so Every single election cycle, the leadership must balance the needs of the next election, like candidates, fundraising, issues, voter registration, etc., with the long-term health of the organization, focusing on headquarters, updating infrastructure, improving our process, recruiting new volunteers, and the like. So the Collier Party leadership has a bunch of aggressive goals for 2021-2022. We need help from all of the local Democrats. We need new volunteers. We need uh, donations to continue the success we had from the last cycle. You know, we had the highest turnout in the entire state of Democrats, and that's because locals like you supported the party. And we need you to continue supporting the party in any way you can, whether that's volunteering, whether that's uh, donating, or anything else that you can do to help the party. Uh, this election cycle, so we need your continued support now to keep moving toward uh, electing a Democratic governor, a Democratic senator, uh, getting Marco Rubio out of there, uh, and then also you know supporting all of the local candidates here who will be running again. We got over 13 seats running across the slate this year. Uh, we got three school board seats, and there's a rumor out there that Alfie Oaks is deciding to primary. Uh, Andy Solis. So, uh, lots of things going on here locally that we're going to need to talk to. The legislative session for the state of Florida will start in March. So, the podcast will be covering some of that as we go forward. And there's a nasty little bill out there that uh, looks to restrict some voting uh, that the Republicans in this Florida state legislature are considering. So, keep abreast of our podcast. You'll hear a lot about it from there. But uh, without further ado, we'll get on to the discussion with Amber and Linda.
1: Call your Democratic Party want to take a moment to thank all of the volunteers and supporters that helped your County have the highest Democratic turnout in any county in the entire state. With your help, we hit 91% turnout. But our work is not done. We have to continue building our coalition to defeat Ron DeSantis and Marco Rubio in 2022. We may be rid of Donald Trump, but there are many who aided and abetted his incompetence. We need you to make a donation to help us prepare for the next election please go to www.callyourdem.s.org. that's www.callyourdems.org, and click on the red donate button. We thank you for your support.
0: Let's go ahead and start with uh, impeachment, because today, uh, on February 9th, The trial, I should say, the second trial of Donald J. Trump in the Senate has begun, and uh, they're looking into his treasonous activities and and inciting a mob to attack the Capitol. Guys, um, I know we only got six people to vote for this thing to, to move forward earlier, but do we have any hopes of gaining on those six Republicans to... Join the Democrats and saying, "Yeah, we don't want that to happen again."
1: No, no, I don't think so. I think if any Democrats are are expecting Republicans to change their mind or to um, make a a decision that is not in their best interest, that is in the country's best interest. Um, I, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen, and I hope that they are not they are not going to be so stupid. I think they've learned that lesson more than enough times, but I still think it's the right thing for them to do to go forward because it just, to me, how can we allow something like this to happen without repercussions? Yes, there's repercussions for the 200 or so and counting people who have been arrested, um, but you know, they are part of a much bigger problem. And that problem started at the top of our government. So uh, as, as as fruitless as it probably will be, sadly, I think it's important that this goes through because if it doesn't, what kind of message is that sending for the next time this happens?
2: Yeah, I agree with Amber. I don't think that former President Trump is going to be impeached, unfortunately, by this Senate. But I think maybe we should be somewhat thankful that all this information and more, because the Democrats are promising that they have some, quote unquote, smoking guns uh, of testimony and information that us as a public hasn't heard before. So I'm interested to hear what they have to say. And this will just be you know, this will be public record. It won't be the Republicans sweeping it under the rug, trying to control the narrative. Um, everything that is happening for this impeachment trial will be fodder for the American public, and you know they can make their own decisions. But at least they're going to get the information, you know, and the and the 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 play by play of what happened on January sixth.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think. You know, I I don't anticipate any of the Republicans all of a sudden growing a spine after four years of of not having one. You know, the interesting thing that happened was Mitch McConnell came out and said a bunch of stuff uh, shortly after the insurrection, indicating that he was ready to make a clean break from the president. And then he uh, tucked his head right back into that turtle shell and 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 hid right with the other Republicans and saying that uh, he now believes it's unconstitutional. The, you know, the the, the main argument that uh, the Republicans seem to be making in this impeachment trial is that uh, because he's no longer president, he can't be tried uh, and impeached, which uh, the Democrats rightly so are pointing out the, the kind of giant loophole that you're, you or precedent you're setting that basically says, because it's tough to impeach someone in the last month of their presidency they basically have carte blanche to do whatever they want and they have no mm-hmm. repercussions or no there's no there's no consequences for them to be able to do anything and and clearly that can't be true you don't That's want a, a president dangerous to be just
1: to say. you don't want
0: a president to just be c- completely untethered to any type of rules or laws because there's a time limit at which point he becomes no longer accountable. Yeah, it's untouchable. So, um, he's got
1: all the power and none of the consequences. That doesn't seem like a recipe for a functioning
0: government. No. And yet, that's the argument that they're going to make because it's the only way they can get out of voting to convict him because they know he did it. They know he's uh, accountable, that he needs to be held accountable. They know he is the one who started off by lying perpetuated that lie, called for the rally, showed up at the rally, told him to march on the Capitol, told him to fight. And then when it happened, he went on Twitter and said, this is what happens when an election is stolen. So he showed no contrition during the fact that it was going on and after and after. So he's clearly guilty. It's not a question of whether he's guilty or not. The Republicans are trying to find a way to not anger what they hope are people who will vote for them. And it's as cynical as as it gets in terms of politics. And what
1: I don't understand is that the argument throughout Trump's entire, entire term, whenever there was some questionable activity, which happened frequently, was essentially, well, he's the president and he cannot be tried um as a president so there was this whole thing (laughs) the entire time he was president that he wasn't able to face any sort of prosecution other than impeachment and now that he is a a no longer president okay well now no now is not the time either it's like when can you actually hold this guy accountable for anything he may or may not have done and i think we're going to see more of that you see that with georgia um now bringing a against some investigation into his call to the, uh, you know, trying to overthrow the election there. And of course, we know about the Southern District of New York has some things going on with his business dealings. So there may be more to come. But just the fact that it almost seems like we've had four years of total unaccountability for anything that he did. And I'm sh- I'm actually shocked Even though, yes, technically he was impeached, but, um, you know, only
0: twice. Yes,
1: he has been impeached twice. Um, But the fact that, that, you know, it's just kind of a slap on the wrist and it's kind of just in name only. um, It's like a scarlet eye on his jacket, but it's not really affecting him.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's aggravating that the party of personal responsibility in
1: law, in law and order.
0: wants no one to have any responsible for their actions.
1: Well you guys should watch if you guys haven't I'm sure it's going to get more press because since it's just happened a few hours ago but they did put together a, like a 13 minute video which showed the events unfolding um, in, in a time. And,, um, it was quite compelling and shocking. And I've seen a lot of footage over the last month of various things that have come out, but there was a lot of stuff in there that I hadn't seen. And then you know, you put piece it together with what's happening at the Capitol, what's happening in the Senate floor, what's happening at the White House, um, or shall I say what's not happening most of the time at the White House? And it's it, it was pretty damning. I think it's important to to say this on our end that like, I want this accountability, to be in place whether something like this happened on either side. Um, This is not because this was a Trump thing. Like if this were to happen and something like this where a large mob of liberal radicals were breaking into the Capitol and beating up police officers and ransacking Senate offices and breaking windows in trying to get into the Senate chambers. That is freaking shocking. And I think they should be held accountable. And I, I mean, I think that this should not be a partisan issue. This is, this is scary that this can happen without any ramification. So it shouldn't be, it's not about who I, I would love it. If like you could just replace the faces of the people and the flags and Show those exact videos, but like replace those flags with, you know, Antifa or uh, Pelosi or whatever you want and have these people calling for the other side. And what would what would the conservatives think? They would be appalled. It would just be it would be you would never stop hearing about it. And rightly so. So it's just the hypocrisy. Um, yeah, I, is, I think it happened all the summer with the Black Lives Matter movement.
2: I mean, I've never heard a, I've I've never heard more conservatives talk about mobs and, and burning of cities and the. I mean, you know, I, I, in a perfect and world, there would be a bipartisan approach to this, but the GOP is just an entity that is unrecognizable now. Thank you to to former President Trump, and there is in unity for them. There just isn't. And so they're just going to vote party line for everything. I mean, Josh Hawley has voted uh, nay to all of Biden's candidate picks, all of them, for no reason other than to just be his Republican self. So I have no hope that outside of the 10 who voted for this impeachment trial to carry forth any of them is going to get a clue lindsey graham who i might add well it was only oh, six, six today, today. See, only dropped six. Out. that's amazing mm-hmm. um i mean if we can go back to after the insurrection to lindsey graham and how scared he was and how at that moment in time he was like this needs to be done this is ridiculous there's nothing happened with the election they didn't exactly. have time to look at polling yeah. and now
0: that's they 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 were forced to go in front of a camera. Yeah, but and, he still voted. Guess at how they felt. He
1: still didn't. He still vote. Um, no,
0: he voted. Okay. He voted to Absolutely. accept the election, okay. and he stood Absolutely. forward he and gave said, a very yeah.
1: impassioned speech. Yeah,
0: exactly. I saw this
2: and now I don't think you can pull him if you tried. He's curled up so tight up in there, guys.
0: Well, I, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna go ahead and say let's move off because honestly, I think. My feeling on this impeachment, I hate to say it, as much as I know we need to, to to hold him accountable, Donald Trump, I think I'm just ready for the whole Trump era to be over. And it, at times I feel like I wish we could just move forward with more of the Biden agenda. So we're going to move forward right now uh, and talk about uh, the big thing that the Biden administration is pushing forward right now, the COVID relief bill. Uh, this has been going back and forth. Now, um, Biden's been saying all the right things with uh, regard to trying to get bipartisan support for the one point nine trillion dollar covid relief bill. Uh, And uh, I don't think he's going to get much. What do you guys think? Do you think he's going to get any Republican? This is the same question as uh, as with the impeachment. Same answer uh, is no. Do you think he's going to get anybody to Uh, help help him out on that? Negative.
2: Nope. He's going to have to move forward. And then the GOP is going to be screaming, well, what about unity? What about bipartisanship? I think uh, 71 million people, or was it no, 80, sorry, 80 million people written. So I think he has an impetus to do what uh, America has asked him to do, and that is take care of us during this crisis. So um, I, yeah, and I, I think agree. his press secretary, I think everyone that he deployed, and to do all the weekend shows the CNNs the Meet the Press and all of them have indicated as such he wants to be unified yes but that doesn't mean he's going to turn around and you know ask everybody to smack his ass he's literally
1: going to do what he has been voted you know in office to do yeah i think what that that is probably the most important point is that these measures that they're talking about are vastly um, popular with the American people. And, I mean, that is the whole point of government, is that they're there to serve us. They're not serving their own interests. So, even even the Republicans who are going to fight against this, in their own, their own constituents, it's popular with them. You know, maybe not in some extremely conservative areas, but for the most part, most of their constituents also agree with this. So, um, they're They've learned their lesson. I know that, like, especially when you look back in and Biden has has experience with this from doing the Obamacare and doing the economic stimulus back um, during Obama's term that Biden had a major role in. they tried to get bipartisan support because that's his nature. He wanted to try and get bipartisan support and had made all sorts of concessions. And, you know, eventually they were able to get these passed, but at a much not what they had initially wanted. And then the Republicans never come forward to meet them anywhere. And it's and then once as soon as the they lost the the House and and Senate, it was just, you know, never. They never met him. So Biden, I mean, he has two years. We don't know what's going to happen in two years. And. But he has, especially when you talk about redistricting coming up and Republican strongholds in a lot of places where they're redrawing maps. And we may lose the House or the Senate. And in that case, you know, nothing's going to get done. So, no, I think sadly, got to push it through. I think they just need to push these important things through that are wildly popular and allow his agenda to to be fully blossomed so that we can see yeah. how it, how it works without. Yeah. Restraints.
0: And I, and you know, you guys both brought up that, uh, it's broadly popular. It's actually very popular when you can, when you think about, you know, the American political system, very few things get, get this level of, of support across the board. But I want to go quickly through what's in the package. It's 1.9 trillion. What is popular? What's in it? Uh, First of all, uh, more stimulus checks going out to people. Uh, they are calling for $1,400 uh, per person uh, to uh, every American in, in the country, basically uh, making $75,000 or less per person, $150,000 per couple. Um, so that will add on to the 600 that came out uh, back in December. They're looking to extend unemployment insurance of $400 a week through September, so From now until the end of September, you would have you could still get unemployment at four hundred dollars a week for that entire time period. Uh, They want to give up to one hundred and seventy billion dollars to schools to uh, to add to the additional state and local funds, uh, basically to allow them to reopen, to pay for uh, extra cleaning uh, supplies, to pay for extra staffing, to cover Uh, colleges dealing with the shift to distance learning or even actually uh, high schools and whatnot that are transitioning to distance learning. They want to support state and locality. So one thing that uh, people need to realize is the federal government can run deficits, but state and local governments cannot run deficits. Uh, They have to maintain balanced budgets. So one of the reasons why the federal government needs to step up and support states is that if they get tax uh, if the tax revenue falls short due to economic recession or economic contraction, the state governments have to change what they're spending to keep their budget in balance. So when you're in a recession, one of the things that you have to do is the federal government needs to step up and say, hey, we're going to help support these states in fulfilling these budgets so they don't lay off more people. They don't lay off staff members. They don't lay off firemen and teachers and all of these things trying to keep their budget in balance so uh the plan has 440 billion dollars to go to communities uh state and localities uh so that they can deal with the pandemic and the fallout from the economic recession they have 160 billion dollars in funding for a national vaccine vaccination program expanded testing public health jobs programs a bunch of stuff to fight the virus specifically 20 billion going to the uh, to the specifically to the national vaccination program um, and about 50 billion to improve testing, 40 billion would be earmarked for shoring up protective gear and supplies, deploying emergency response personnel, et cetera. And the plan would also expand paid leave, which would allow people who get sick from COVID and need to take time off to recover from COVID instead of them having to go back to work because they lost, they don't wanna lose their job or they don't wanna lose the income. This would expand the, li- the sick leave so the company could literally be reimbursed for keeping you on the payroll for dealing with your COVID sickness and until you are ready to come back. And that would be uh, for 14 weeks of paid sick and family and medical leave for caregivers dealing with closed schools, et cetera, blah, 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 blah. So it's a really, really, really – it also expands the child tax care credit for families. All of this is driven to try to take struggling families who are dealing with the recession, with dealing with the COVID crisis, and allowing them to – Basically, allow the entire economy to be in a in in a position so that when once we get everyone vaccinated and we get through this pandemic, everyone can get back to work and get back to normal as quickly as possible. Um, it's a popular plan. Yes, it's expensive, but you're spending it on American people and allowing them to go out there and live their life and not be hurt for, you know, 5 6 years while we we try to recover from this it's the absolute right thing to do and it is amazing to me that republicans won't agree to do that it's amazing to me
1: yeah and if you look if you look historically at uh, a previous time where we've stimulated the economy in in such a way if you look look back to the uh, you know new deal era where we were doing some of these work programs because we were on the heels of the great depression. Um, And the um, one, obviously the popularity of it was huge. Um, But the impacts of that for generations were, uh, is measurable. And I find it, you know, when you talk about this money and I mean, I'm, I, I'm not all for like every, you know, every good program should be funded fully, you know, yeah, in a perfect world, sure, that'd be lovely. But you have to have some fiscal responsibility. But this is, this is something where it's like an investment on America's future, you put this money in, that's going to give a return, because what's going to happen is we don't have this, we're going to have people that have lost their homes and can't afford to Buy food, and they're going to be then forced to be put in the system. And you can, if you can avoid that for people, it just makes that whole system doesn't get overrun. And as soon as this is over, they're back on their feet. I
2: see, you know, I see people posting that um, say they went out to dinner. I, I just, I had an Instagram post. Um, you know, we're out to dinner, and things are getting back to normal here. And they're over in Miami, you know, thanks to state and local government. And and I, I think that's a very disingenuous statement. I say the people that were posting already got COVID. Thankfully for them, they were, it was a very mild case. And so I think they feel fairly invincible and they've been going out as such. And no, the restaurants are not full. No, people are not getting rehired at fast rates because America is still scared. This is what people aren't talking about. The economy isn't bouncing back. Kids aren't going back to school because we still have a raging pandemic. No matter how many people want to deny it, no matter how many in Congress want to say, nope, we just need to keep on going. People are not going. And do something like this very large uh, package that covers you know, just that, everything that needs to happen to try and, and you know, get our country back to normal it's not going to get back to normal people are scared and concerned and
1: that's just the way it's going to be unless you address it and sadly we we even lost um a member of congress yesterday to covid who had previously been um you know very pro opening everything back up again and he contracted covid and sadly he passed away and and it's like i don't want anybody you know, all these all these precautions that we're trying to take is to prevent anybody else from dying, or as many as we can. I mean, that you can't lock everything down, but there you can put measures in place to keep this economy going, keep our lives running. And keep everybody safe. And that's, I think, the saddest part about this. Is there were so many easy things that could have been done that weren't done. And not only are we in a worse place economically because of it. We're also in a worse place socially. We're in a worse place with the virus. And if um, I, I want to add to anecdotally.
2: I have two anecdotes to say. Sweden. I think that was the country, right? You guys can correct me. That didn't close everything down and just went ahead. Yeah. I yeah. mean, there. Yep. Their economy has constricted between 3 and 5%. People had rational fears. Them keeping everything open did not help them one bit at all as far as transmission and as far as keeping their economy going because you, you, you can't discount people's concerns about getting sick, you know, no matter what you want to do.
0: You know, I, I just want to, b- before we're going to move on to um, talk a little bit about COVID and DeSantis and his uh, his poor handling of it. But, you know, back to the COVID relief bill, one final point. Uh, You know, this is not only good policy, it's good politics. Not one of us here can tell you what the vote was for Social Security, or Medicare, or Medicaid, or the Voting Rights Act, or any of the more popular uh, far-reaching programs that the United States uh, Senate and House have passed Over the last hundred years. I don't know how many Democrats voted for him. I don't know how many Republicans voted for him. Far too often in the past, Democrats specifically have worried about what the vote tally is and have tried to weaken bills to get Republican support in some way thinking that they're going to gain electorally from doing that. I think they've learned the lesson that they will not gain electorally by doing that. They gain electorally by passing good, solid, working legislation that will help Americans and then run on the fact that you helped Americans. Don't run on the fact that, yeah, it's a bad bill, but I got so-and-so GOP member to sign on to okay. it. They're going to run against us saying, look, they, didn't, they did something and it didn't work. Pass a bill that works and then run your campaigns defending what you passed. And if it's popular and it helps people, then run on it.
1: If you are interested in hearing more about what's going on with the local Democratic Party, the Florida Democratic Party, local candidates, events and local news, there are a number of ways you can hear from us. You can sign up for our monthly newsletter, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or just check in on our website for all the local Democratic Party info. You can find all of these signups on our website at www.callyourdems.org. That's www.callyourdems.org. Thank you for all the support.
0: Let's talk about DeSantis and the politics of covid um, He seems to uh, be doubling down. There's an article out uh, today saying that uh, Ron DeSantis was uh, seen at the Super Bowl unmasked inside the booth. What do you guys think? I mean, we talked a little bit about this last time uh, on the last podcast. But one of the things that that seemed to have happened with uh, Rick Scott was many of the programs that Obama passed nationally in his first two years, the stimulus package, the Obamacare, all of that really worked to help bring back the economy. And Rick Scott, while he was governor of Florida, didn't do a lot, but kind of rode the coattails and said that he was uh, responsible for some of the the progress that happened here in Florida uh, during uh, that time. Do you guys have any worry that maybe if Biden does a really good job of getting this all back on track, vaccines start to come from... Uh, the federal government we start getting people vaccinated everything starts to work we get this thing back and the economy roaring again do you guys have any worry that that ron DeSantis is going to kind of ride that positivity back for a second term of
1: course i mean and you know not to not to have any illusions on how politics works but i Sadly, I think almost any politician would do that. So, um, yes, he absolutely will do that. If things are good at the time, he's going to take credit for it. If things are bad at the time, he's going to blame whoever is in power or was in power or however it is conveniently makes him look better. Um, So, yeah, that's going to happen. Oh, yeah, (laughs) I completely agree.
2: Ronnie D is just as big of a bottom feeder as you can possibly get. I am shocked at. His lack of attentiveness to this whole pandemic, even to the process of getting vaccines out to his populace, uh, y- you know, th- there's there's no there's no there's no bottom to him. So yeah, of course, I can see him doing that.
0: Yeah, Ronald Trump, uh, you know, our own version, the mini me. He seems to have been following uh, in Donald's footsteps uh, his entire his entire political career, and uh, I think he's gonna ride that horse until it bucks him. You know, what do you guys think we should do uh, to counter, counteract that? How do we go to the people and, and convince them of his mishandling of the pandemic and, and, you know, convince them to make a change come two years from now?
1: I I think people's experience with what's happening now anyways, and people's memories are very short lived. We know, so we'll see how this lasts, but Um, especially seniors, which is a huge portion of our populace are all pretty pissed off about how this vaccine rollout is going. Um, So I think that's going to leave a bad taste in some people's mouths. Again, whether that will last, I don't know. Um, But I think across the board, any person who's tried to get a vaccine has had a negative experience with that um, no matter what your party is. So, other than that, I don't. Uh, I I think it just has to be a network of of getting the getting people out, um, having a good candidate to run against him, which I think would be interesting to talk about at some point. He spent so much of his time with Trump and tied with Trump that I, I can only imagine that Trump's power in two years is going to be so much less that I think that could also be a disadvantage. But what know, we're going to need is
2: out. we're going to need information dissemination and it's going to be reminding voters and that's going to take money and it's going to take time to keep on hammering to the voters exactly what your life was like during this pandemic and, and during this time of, of, you know, trying to get people a vaccine you now and remind them who was the party that helped you that's what's going to help us come midterms uh, you know and I, and I think again if we go back to the impeachment trial too it, it will all be public fodder and us dems we're not always really great about messaging and we kind of don't necessarily hit it where we need to hit it but i mean for us to be fully successful during the midterms and trying to get the santas out we're just going to need to hammer that message this is what happened this is what he did this was you know four years of him you know pretty much just kowtowing to anything that trump said and and really just a dereliction of duty to his own state so it's just going to be information dissemination it's just the way we're going to have to play it
0: yeah and i think that we need to focus on you know we're do- we're still doing a lot of our re- our uh, our uh, 2020 uh, post analysis that we're looking at and uh, we're looking at kind of a turnout here locally but also looking at the state the new york times did a great piece on um the shifts that happened in the election in 2022 versus or 2020 versus 2016 uh and how things shift the interesting thing here in florida is that uh and particularly in collier county is that if you look at the 2020 map the more uh western side of the county which is traditionally more white more republican more wealthy that all shifted four to five points to the Democrats. So compared to 2016, so on that side of the county, we were able to pick up four or five points. But when you look at the eastern side of the county, which is typically lower socioeconomic, typically uh, Latino and uh, more rural and uh, rural. Um, that side of the county actually moved seven or eight points to the right towards the Republican, which mirrors in some ways what we saw in Miami-Dade. Now, here in Collier, we did a pretty good job of minimizing that shift. Uh, Miami-Dade saw about a 15 to 16, 17-point shift. Uh, we only saw about seven or eight-point shift here. Um, so we did a pretty good job of, of minimizing that, and Collier as a, as a whole – move to the left um, you buy about two percentage points but we're going to have to as a a county uh, and as a state party do two things one is solidify the gains that we made in the white college educated vote voter uh, which is going to be exactly what we just talked about which is hammering on the incompetence hammering on the uh, adherence to conspiracy theory hammer Uh, on the unseriousness of the Republican Party and the fact that they're unwilling to compromise and they're unwilling to do anything uh, along with the Democrats to help their constituents, their states, their localities, and America. So focusing on that because that seemed to have worked. The second thing we have to do is we really have to combat the communist socialist Mm -hmm. messaging that the Republican Party has hammered especially in the Latino community. Here in Florida, the Latino community is not a monolith. Uh, we have a very diverse uh, nationality group from Venezuelans to Cubans to uh, Puerto Ricans to, to Colombians to Nicaraguans, uh, Mexicans, all across the board. And they all have very different um, backgrounds and viewpoints on communism. And what we're seeing in Florida is that they are very receptive to the, to the communist socialist messaging. And the Democratic Party here in Collier County and in the state needs to make a priority of combating that messaging and making sure that they realize that what we are proposing is not communism, it's not socialism. All we are trying to do is make capitalism work the way it was supposed to work and not to benefit just the richest of the rich, but to actually work for the average person And to make sure that the average American isn't taken advantage of by big business and by Republicans who are looking to looking to appease their benefactors. So we're going to go ahead and end it there. Amber, Linda, thank you guys, as always, for jumping on with me. You bet. So that's our show. Thanks to Agent 13 for the theme song. Please remember to rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Hope everyone is staying safe out there. Until next time, so long.